Hi. How you doing? I mean, really, how are you doing? What a week we've all had, right? So I'm going to start out this healing talk talking about not just the elephant in the room. <laughs> the elephant is the room, right? Um, <laughs> yes, she got it. Um, I have seen across the land, if you will, the great grief that people are having right now over our trees. And um, I remember the first time I was aware of the voice of trees, I mean like really aware of it, was when I was the uh, temporary minister at Unity of San Angelo, and we had a tornado that came through San Angelo. And um, uh, I lived not too far from the Concho River, which is like an oasis in San Angelo, and there were these beautiful ancient trees along the Concho that these uh, high straight winds had uprooted. I mean, these trees were just huge, pulled out of the ground. And I, I could hear their crying. Now, I realize that that's a human anthropomorphizing of trees, kinda. But I also think that we're very aware of nature's voice. And, uh, and I know, and you know, that the cycles of life go on despite destruction, despite um, the, the, the natural laws of the environment in which we live here on the earth. And that life goes on, and the trees die, and the trees are born, and the trees are hurt, and the trees heal. And I hope that what we can do through this, through our, through our intention, through our physical labor, um, through the adjusting of our actual site for the places that are now empty and broken, that we can keep in mind that nature in its long spans of time makes all things well. And so we're healing even as the trees do what they need to do. And I was going to say, for all of you out there that are listening that don't have electricity, you're probably not listening. <laughs> so, or you'll have to hear us later. Um, uh, I don't know how many of you might be sitting out there that don't have power to your home right now. But uh, there are still many, especially in Austin, who don't have power yet after many, many days. And so once again, we are uh, kind of taken out of our comfortable, developed, developed nation lifestyle into some survival stuff. And that is uh, hard on our psyche, hard on our bodies, and it's temporary. So today, as we talk about healing, let's keep in mind our natural world and let our healing prayer extend to all living things, to things that are 
obviously broken right now in the physical world, knowing that all things pass, all things are renewed. The cycles of life are a comfort. Even as they bring devastation, there's a comfort in knowing that those cycles go on. So breathe. And breathe for the trees. We really are just creatures, aren't we? We think we're so powerful until nature surprises us. And the funny thing is, we keep on getting surprised. You know? It's like, oh, well, what happened two years ago will never happen again. Until it does. So there's that. But you see, we, we're looking, we have an, an opportunity to look at the natural world right now and to affirm healing, even as we're looking at ourselves. Yes? You know, when I first came into Unity back in 1987, I, uh, I hadn't heard these ideas about healing, not the way I was hearing them from Unity. And that there were whole books called Jesus Christ Heals, Be Healed Now. Like, okay, Christian scientist, what are you about? And I didn't realize at the time that we kind of came from the same roots until I learned more about unity. And so, you know, things were just beginning, to, ancient healing modalities were just beginning to get popular in the public eye back in the 80s, remember? And it was all new agey, although it was old agey stuff, you know what I mean? I mean, shamanic healing's been around since the beginning of humanity. And, um, and so all those modalities, but they were popular. You could go to a psychic fair, you know. Uh, white people were going to sweat lodges, you know. And it was like, okay, we got something brand new here. So there was a huge emphasis in unity for a while to say, no, we're not new age, we're new thought. And new thought's not new. It's been around since the late 1800s in this incarnation. Same roots as Christian science, religious science, just kind of went a different direction. But the idea about Myrtle, now you've heard the story, the idea that Myrtle could heal chronic tuberculosis by the power of her prayer was pretty phenomenal. And you know, when that, when that whole movement uh, took root back in the late 19th century, people were feeling trapped by their circumstances, by health conditions. This was the, the, the thrust of the industrial age. People were, were stuck. And so as new thought came about to enhance people's religious practices... This idea of working with your mind and your heart to have healing in your body was pretty incredible. And so, uh, and so it was really exciting for me to see that come about. And then it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to try some prayer and see what it heals, like parlor tricks, right? <laughs> I remember we were doing a silent work day at church one Sunday, and we, we drew tasks at random, 
and uh, my ex-husband, he drew the task of polishing the, the chair legs of all the chairs like this inside the sanctuary, just to dust them off, clean them up, get the fingerprints off, all that stuff. Drove him nuts to know that he was going to have to work inside. I drew the task of mowing. <laughs> so we had these long, like, side light windows in the sanctuary, and I remember him looking uh, out the window at me, kind of glaring, and I was looking at him on the inside, kind of glaring, which is a great attitude for a silent work day at a church. <laughs> And uh, I had really, really bad allergies then. And I'm just like, I don't want to mow, sneeze, cough, blow my nose, mow, cry. I worked out a bunch of stuff. I was glaring at him inside the church. And, and uh, I just said, God, just take away this allergy crap. I'm, I'm ready to be done with this. Sometime over that next year, I stopped having all of those allergy problems. And they've never been as bad as they were then. So I didn't do a whole lot of like intense work like Myrtle did. But it was enough of a demonstration to me to say, oh, if I, if I use this stuff, it might really work. You know? But on the other hand, in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, was the worst of the AIDS epidemic. And before I went into ministry and in my early ministry, caring for a lot of dying men and women. And uh, one of my best friends from seventh grade uh, died in 1989 with AIDS. And uh, that was a real crisis of faith for me. You know, I, I, he was kind of, he was, he was very closeted about his life at that time. And he really didn't want all of us that knew him when he was young and vital to see his decline. And that's a nice word for it. And so I thought, oh, if I'd been able to pray for him, would it have made a difference would Daryl have lived? That's not a question anybody can answer. If your sentence starts out, if only I, that is an exercise in futility, my friends. It's self-punishment that we don't need to impose on ourselves. I do know that his parents wanted to have his funeral at the Baptist church he'd gone to as a young person. And yes, that preacher said something about um, Daryl being forgiven in spite of his sinful choices. And uh, one of my high school friends felt my energy at that point and put her hand on my arm because I was about ready to stand up and make a fuss in church at my friend's funeral. And I knew without a doubt that sin and disease 
don't have anything to do with each other. They don't. Nobody gets sick because they're bad. Conversely. Nobody gets well by being really good. It's way more nuanced than that. And Unity has dealt with this issue for a long time about our teachings and wellness. Because wellness doesn't mean cure. I want you to hear this. Wellness does not mean cure. Think of wellness as wholeness. You can be whole while your body is sick. Do you understand that? If you ever decide that you must be doing something wrong or you wouldn't be feeling this way in your body, stop it. Stop it. That is metaphysical malpractice. And you do not get to do that to yourself. Now, I am here to say that an attitude of prayer, an attitude affirming the wholeness of your life in God, with God, as God, is a real thing. And what it does is illuminate your path, help you make good choices, help you walk through your life with grace, lead you to things that will assist in your healing. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Daryl was not healed in his body, but he healed people because of his death. And I'll tell this story another time, but I can tell you today that I had a series of dreams that I'm going to call visits from Daryl after he died that taught me about death and dying before I ever went into ministerial school. And I know without a doubt that Daryl was okay when he died. His soul was just fine. His body was broken. But his soul was intact, healthy, and whole. And his gift to me with his death has informed and guided and blessed the ministry that I've been able to do with people for 30 years. I'm telling you about it today, and therefore, my friend Daryl lives on eternally in you too. Do you understand? Yes, I can stand here today and tell you that whatever ails you, prayer is going to make it better. It may not cure you, and it might, but I can tell you that there is, a, there is an aspect of wholeness with prayer, with a healing focus, 
that allows you to live your life fully no matter what. I got to tell you right now, there's a lot of fear out there right now about science. I guess science has always been scary to people, but now they're talking about it. I don't, I'm not really sure. Scary science stuff. You know, plots going on. Well, I'll tell you, ignoring science probably won't hurt you. But fear about science will. Fear. Fear is the big uh, killer. Yeah? So it's okay. You follow your guidance about science. But if you're doing so out of fear, you're missing the point. That's the truth. So follow your guidance. Do what is, is told to you to be the best, but do not be a fear monger about it. As a matter of fact, any place that there's fear in your life, that's your first place to begin your healing prayer. Very first place. Let me tell you something. When I had cancer, not really fair, right? Is cancer ever a fair thing for people? No, it's just darned inconvenient. It disrupts your life, like forever. It disrupts your life. I'm here today in a, in a healthy body, in remission from cancer. And I, somewhere along the way in my healing journey, I figured out that there might be a correlation between a particular aspect of my life that was unhealed that caused me to have a cancerous tumor that was directly related. But when I figured that out, it was like, okay, that's a possibility. And there wasn't any judgment or regret about it. It was like, oh, okay, well, I can, I can cut that part out. I can cut that little tumor. If that's the repository for this unhealed thing, be healed now have the surgery, and for me, have the chemo, and have the radiation, and have more surgery. And, and you know, live with the long-term effects of all that. I'll tell you what, it hardly slows me down. And I'm saying that today, I guess I'm testifying. <laughs> I'm testifying here to tell you that I know healing prayer works. Because I'm at peace with death. I don't want to go. I got a lot of stuff I want to do. I'm fine, y'all. I'm fine. I'm not trying to tell you anything. <laughs> I'm just telling you that uh, the great gift of cancer is losing my fear of death. There's a healing right there. There are friends that I have that their cancers will probably not result in being cured. But they can live a lot longer than maybe they plan to. With healing prayer, not only by themselves, for themselves, but from us. I don't know if you've ever asked for prayer and then received it. 
If you did, do you remember what it feels like to know that people are praying for you? There is an energetic exchange, unseen, unidentifiable, and it makes a difference. When people pray for you, they're holding faith for you right here, nice little container of faith, until you're able to hold that container for yourself. It's a beautiful thing to have people pray for you. It's a beautiful thing to ask. Because there seem to be certain elements of healing that are necessary. One is identifying the thing that feels out of balance. Whether it's your fear, your addiction, your mental health, your broken toe, your whatever. Whatever that thing is, identify it. You do not, in my humble experience, you do not work healing prayer on something you're afraid to name. Because then what have you got working? Fear. You name the thing. You identify the thing. And you begin surrounding it with light. And you surrender to something that is beyond your current understanding. And say, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm ready or whatever this is that is going to be revealed to me, healed in me, I'm ready. That means surrendering ourselves to the unknown. I mean, we haven't got it all figured out yet, have we? If you have, please see me after the service, because I want to know, first of all, what it feels like and what your secret is, and why you're still here on the earth. I want to know that so we identify the thing we surround it with healing light it's good for us to be able to say I'm struggling with this thing will you pray with me because just saying it is part of the surrender it's part of the letting go it's part of the enlisting of uh, spiritual energy and friends that can work with you I got to tell you we went around this, we drove our teacher crazy in ministerial school, trying to figure out what the formula was for healing, looking at the life of Jesus and the people he healed. There is not one consistent story. Did people uh, get healed only because they asked for it? No. There were people who were resistant to healing, and Jesus healed them anyway. Did they have to be in Jesus' presence to be healed? Nope. Did they have to know he was doing it? Nope. Did they have to give something in order to get that healing? No. So we've got, uh, we've got the guy that was at the healing pool. Right? And then the angel's supposed to trouble the waters, and that's when you got in the water and you'd be healed. That was a, a story. And it was probably a natural spring that bubbled up. And the legend was if you got in the water when it was bubbling, you'd be healed. So the guy had been laying on his little pallet for 28 years. 28 years. Now I'm saying this story, keeping in mind that this is a metaphorical story, but it works. 28 years he'd been laying there beside the pool. And Jesus went up to him and said, do you want to be healed? And he went, oh, yeah, but. 
I can't get in the pool quick enough before the waters are calm again. Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And he went, yeah, I said. But my friends won't put me in the water. And Jesus said, uh, do you want to be healed? And the guy said, yeah, but Jesus said, stand up and walk. Go get it, man. And he did. Love that story. How many of us hang out with something we don't don't me eight years? I want to be I want to be healed of this, but but and then there was the woman who um, she had a let's call it female health issues, which under Jewish law made her unclean all the time which meant she had to abide by Jewish laws, not have contact with man, all that stuff. So Jesus is walking through the crowd, and she reaches out, knowing she really can't, not supposed to touch him, but here's the great healer walking through, and so she reaches through the crowd, and she touches his robe. And he feels the exchange of energy. She's trying to be anonymous and low-key, you know what I mean? Her faith is big, but she's got a little presence She reaches out. He immediately turns around, feeling that exchange of energy, and goes, who touched me? I think if it had been me, I'd probably just say, "Mm, not me. Wasn't me. (laughs) Swear it wasn't me. And she's like, I did. And he said, your faith has made you whole. She's like, but I've been to all these doctors. And nobody could do anything. He said, your faith has made you whole, sister. Go on about your business. So there's the doubting man. There's the faithful, scared woman. Uh, A man comes up and says, you have to come to my house right now, Jesus. My daughter is dying. And he says, I'll be right there. Let me get through the crowd. No, you have to come right now. I'm on my way, buddy. He gets there and the man says, you're late. She died. Jesus says, Let, give me a minute. He lays down beside her. He breathes. She comes back to life. So notice, she's not resisting. She's not asking. She doesn't have any kind of faith. Somebody else has asked on her behalf. She dies, comes back to life. So are you seeing any consistency there? No, idiot. The consistency is that healing is. Healing is. It's already here. A man who wasn't even, he was Roman. He came up to, to, to Jesus and he goes, my, my man, my man is, is not well. And, and I don't know what to do. Can you help him? And Jesus said, do you believe? And he said, I believe. Help, help my, my disbelief. And he said, brother, go check on your man. He's fine. So you see, we've got all these different stories. So if you're looking for a consistent model, the only consistent model is that healing exists. 
It is part of a spiritual life. It's part of a not spiritual life. You don't have to get more holy to be healed. That person does not have to deserve your prayers in order to be healed. The more I talk about this, and I could talk to you for a long time and I won't, the more I talk about this, the more over all these years, healing keeps revealing itself like a multifaceted gemstone that I keep seeing from a different angle, shining its light. Healing is an elusive definition, except that our alignment with spirit, our surrender to spirit, our faith in spirit, makes us whole. And wholeness can mean cure. Wholeness can mean walking through life with a chronic condition. Wholeness can mean sudden disaster and the grace to go through it. Healing can mean death. Because how many of us, how many of us have in the end given thanks for the end of suffering for one of our beloved ones? That is healing as well. It's so easy for us in these flesh bodies here, these these the skin that we walk around in, for us to think of things as finite, for us to think of things as limited. And if there's anything that we learn about healing, it's that it's infinite and it's not confined to this. Healing is huge. I, I found a little article by a Unity staffer that just kind of brings uh, what Myrtle taught about healing. If you ever, ever want to find out more about this for yourself, just Google Myrtle Fillmore. She had the sweetest way of talking about healing. The sweetest way. So um, uh, this article it has seven ways to heal yourself. Seven ways. Myrtle said, unite all areas of your life daily. Declare that your spiritual life and world, your mental life and world, and your physical life and world are unified and that you are expressing harmoniously the ideas of the Christ mind in these three places. Simple. Body, mind, and spirit. Align them with God. Got it. Unify and unite all areas of your life with the Christ spirit. Have immense faith that you can be healed. She said, it was a change of mind from the old carnal, I love her language, the old carnal mind that believes in sickness to the Christ mind of life and permanent health. Do you see that permanent health can transcend your body? 
I applied spiritual laws effectively, blessing my body temple until it manifested the innate health of spirit. Turn inward. Myrtle said, quit praying to that God outside of you. It's the God in the midst of us, in here, that frees and heals. You need to think of God, the all-powerful healer, as being already within you in every part of your mind, heart, and body. Are you getting the theme here? Be optimistic. And she brings in positive thinking. It helps replace old ways of thinking and quicken healing. Prayer is an exercise to change our thought habits and our living habits. When some of our thought energy is expended in negative beliefs and feelings, we get those old negative results. So catch yourself. You're going to have them. You'll have those negative thoughts and feelings. Catch yourself and say, how would I like to transform this? How would I like to transmute this thought form into something that works for my benefit instead of to my detriment? She says, rest every day, Western high-achieving world. Rest every day. A period of quiet and rest each day is your opportunity to establish yourself at the center of your being, the one place where the supply of life and substance is inexhaustible. Take care of your body. Take care of your body. Eat healthy foods, exercise, rest. The body responds to the changes of the mind. And when this is accompanied by truly wise living habits, the conformity to true ideas will renew it and make it every whit whole. Can't you just hear little Myrtle? It'll make it every whit whole. You'll feel so good. I don't think she talked like that. I'm just... Cute little 19th century lady. You know what I mean? Oh, there is a recording that they have at Unity Village, for those of you that have been up there, to listen to Myrtle pray. Yeah, it's sweet. God is my help in every need. Because she was about 147 when she <laughs> recorded this. By the way, when Myrtle decided to die... She went around silent unity and said goodbye to everybody. Told them how nice it was to be with them. Goodbye. I'm going on to that next embodiment of spirit. See ya. A couple of weeks later, she was gone. The last thing is bless your body. She believed that we must express gratitude for our bodies regularly. Our first duty then is to bless our body, to praise its wonderful work, to learn what its needs are, and to supply them. You know, the first thing I tell somebody when they've had a big loss in their life and they're traumatized by it, I say, beloved, breathe. Drink water. Eat food. Sleep. We start there. We start there, my friends. I can tell you that prayer is much more effective when the vessel doing its prayer is whole. Eat, drink, sleep, breathe. 
start there. So if you run up into one of those moments where everything's crashing around you, where the loss is too big to think about, when the news you've gotten is too devastating, eat, drink, sleep, breathe, and pray. Beloved, for every one of you sitting out there, everyone listening out there today, every one of us has a need for healing in our lives. Some area of our lives that is not yet reconciled with spirit. It's a, 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 it, it's a burr under our saddle blanket. It's a pebble in our shoe. Or toilet paper stuck to it dragging it around behind us. Everybody else can see it, but we can't. And, and use some humor if you can. When you get a big realization about yourself and go, oh boy, how long have I been walking around with this toilet paper on my shoe? Give yourself a break, beloved. Above all, give yourself a break. Notice that the other thing that's common in the stories of Jesus is that he judged no one, even the 28-year guy. He just said, do you want to be healed? Get up and walk. He didn't say, here's your to-do list. He didn't say, go put money in the temple. He didn't say, get over your dang self. Well, he kind of did. He kind of did. He said, get up and walk. You want to be healed? Get up and walk. You want to be healed of what's ailing you right now? Get up and walk. Do you want to be healed? That is not rhetorical. Do you want to be healed? Are you being healed right now? Is the Spirit of God pervading your mind, body, and soul right now. Breathe. So we got the breath part. We're going to have the eat and drink part. You can take a nap if you want to. We'll leave the doors open for you. Be healed. I am dealing right now with an area of my life that I have resisted healing. Yeah, toilet paper stuck to my shoe. And I heard the voice of spirit saying, get up and walk. So I am. So I am. And so are you, beloved. So are you. Let's take a moment for some uh, healing prayer. How about? Check and make sure you're breathing. Like, not just sustaining life, but infusing your life with breath. 
and for you, not for God, because God doesn't need this, but for you, say to yourself, reveal that which needs to be revealed and heal that which needs to be healed. I'm ready. And notice that if you have that little twinge of anticipation that also feels like a little bit of fear, that's okay. Breathe into that. Know that you may have to grieve a way of being that you thought was the right way to be. And now you're discovering that you have a new garment to wear. You have a new attitude to try out. You have a new healing that you are allowing. Keep breathing. This is your moment with the spirit of truth that is all love, that is for your highest good. You're dwelling with spirit that knows your every thought, knows the darkest corners, and judges not. whatever image works for you but I'm, I'm imagining right now this bright but cool healing light flowing through this room right now flowing through each one of us generated and magnified by each one of us as above in our highest thoughts it is below in our deepest self. Draw strength from those who wish the same thing as you, who affirm the same thing as you. Healing in all aspects of our lives. Healing for all of humanity. Healing for this planet. No that the grief that you've had over the trees is because you are one with all. 
If you will today, just put your hand over your heart. And let this affirmation be yours. I am one with the healing light of spirit. I am one with vibrant life and wholeness. I am one with peace that is greater than my understanding. And now give thanks for that which is evident to you right now and that which is being revealed in its perfect time. Give thanks. Give thanks. Give thanks. Thank you, Spirit, for this wholeness. Thank you for this healing. Thank you for grace in all of it. Thank you for my life. And so it is, and so it is, and so it is. Thank you.